You're listening to Politics Within Reason, the official podcast of the Party of Reason and Progress. Show the world you care about progress. Go ahead, give us a like or a share. And if you want to learn more or support your purpose, visit partyofreasonandprogress.org. Welcome to another episode of Politics Within Reason. I'm your host, Michael Hamm. Tonight, I have the honor of chatting with Dina Grayson. Dina Grayson is a doctor who has run for office in the state of Florida, and we really appreciate having you on the show tonight, Dina. Thank you so much. Mike, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. One of the things that we were really intrigued about was, one, you responded to us on Twitter, so that was really awesome, and two... You actually have gone from a scientific background. You actually have a nature publication, which I'm really jealous of. And you went from a scientific background and you ran for office. Can you explain why you decided to do that? Well, I, first I have to say I, I'm honored by what you said about my nature publication. And in fact, I had two nature oh, publications. Two. Oh, so I'm a double. That's double right. Nature. I forgot about the two. <laughs> double nature. If you don't double. know anything about scientific publications, nature is, is just top echelon, right? Just the highest level. I was fortunate also to work with really other just phenomenal scientists. It was fun and uh, exciting to feel like you're making a contribution. Um, well, gosh, I, you know, the answer of why I got into politics is, is a bit of a complicated one. And I, I think for many people, it, it probably is as well. I mean, it usually is sort of a bit of a journey. I mean, some people have an epiphany and just suddenly say, great, I'm going to run. In my case, it was more of a journey. And I was a fellow at a um, at the Aspen Institute. And they have a an international fellowship called the Crown Fellowship Program. And I started in, in that a little over a decade ago in 2006. And through that, I met uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy Townsend, who is Bobby Kennedy's eldest child. Oh, okay. And Kathleen is awesome. I mean, she is just a warm, kind, genuine person. And, you know, she's, you know, obviously been through a tremendous amount. She's the eldest of that generation of Kennedys. Right. No, I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well. A I, lot of firsthand history uh, and right, a lot of well, tragic she, Yes. Well, she was 12 when her uncle, our, our president, was murdered, and then 16 when her father was murdered. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, right. And, I, I, you know, that's it's uh, obviously an unbelievable sacrifice that her, her family has paid. And um, at any rate, I got an opportunity to spend some time with her during a seminar as part of this fellowship program. And, um, you know, we got talking about politics and I, you know, I asked her, I said, you know, Kathleen, what, what do you think is, is really wrong in politics? Now, granted, this was over a decade ago, about sure. 20 years. And Mike, she said to me, she's like, you know, Dina, it's really simple. People forgot it's about public service, not about self-service. And, and that's the bottom line. And it was really interesting that she said that. I think that that was telling. And, at any rate, she became a mentor of mine, and she um, she saw something in me, Mike, that I didn't. She uh, encouraged me to run for Congress, and I actually laughed. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at her, I was like, I literally was like, are you crazy? And then I realized, like, I just said that to Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, she, she knows crazy, and obviously she didn't think I was crazy. But let me get back to that idea of service. Do you, do you mean, like, you shouldn't be using government employees to get you a used mattress from the Trump oh. Hotel? Is that like not service or right or you know the the sort of um, the almost free accommodations in D.C. Yeah, and... first class plane tickets and so that's not why you want to get into government is is and also just people also will trade it in for you know sweetheart lobbying deals. Yeah. I mean it's sort of, you know people see that as personal enrichment and I and I just I don't my husband doesn't I mean I, I at any rate I mean I definitely view this as you're giving back and. I know that's certainly what Kathleen and, and her family believes in. 
So she, she really saw something in me, Mike, that I, I really didn't. And, but at the time when she said this, I, so I said, okay, you must be, you know, that's crazy. And then I sort of felt like an, an idiot because that's Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. And, and uh, she was really funny. She just laughed. She's like, no, I think you'd be great. And I, I laughed again. And I was like, look, you know, I'm, but I'm a nerd. I'm an MD. I'm a PhD in biochemistry. I mean, I just never thought of myself of even doing something like that. It just never crossed my mind. And She's like, look, you know, I think that you have a, a, you know, a good sense of what's needed. You understand what the job would be like, and I think you'd be great, and I encourage you to consider it. So, you know, at the time I was living in the Bay Area in California, and um, clearly in that neck of the woods had what I thought to be really tremendous leadership in general with great representation. I lived in Jackie Spears District Right around, she came into office, I believe, right after that. But uh, just south of Nancy Pelosi, Barbara Lee in the east, and it just you know two female senators who yeah. I thought were great. And you know, I lived in the beautiful bubble of San Francisco, <laughs> so there wasn't right there wasn't. And I said to her, I was like, you know, I don't right now. There's not the pool. It's you know, it, it, there's and the, the bench is wide and deep. But I'm a native of Central Florida. And at some point, I'm likely going to move uh, move back. And you know, I I, I definitely am, I, I think I'm interested. I see that there's a real need for this, and it's really people, you know, obviously healthcare, being a physician, yeah. and understanding, you know, having a, you know having a better sense of healthcare delivery than say, I mean, everyone understands healthcare as a consumer, as a as a patient, as someone who's receiving healthcare. I hate to say consumer because it sounds so commercial. Well, that's so what it is. A... You are a consumer of healthcare, yeah, and that's and that's been a big problem is that we aren't approaching it from the consumer viewpoint. No, we're not, and we're also not. You know, we're also in many cases vilifying people who really are value add, like doctors. I mean, doctors in general, we should be incentivizing doctors for taking care of patients and keeping them out of the hospital. And yeah, you know. That's starting to change with how reimbursement is changing. Which right, I think Obamacare is a good, did that to, yep, some de- exactly, to some extent. To some extent, exactly. And I also think there's just been other things on Medicare and pressures there, right. good things to incentivize people. So I think those are great. But also in the scientific perspective, to understand the need for investment in new technologies. I mean, my grandfather was one of the first people on ARPANET. And as you know, ARPANET is the internet. Yeah, He was using that's this awesome. stuff because he was... He was working with the scientists that so he needed to transfer large amounts of data and in relative real time. And do you know you if know, he I, sent like the first cat picture on the internet? I don't think that was that was <laughs> okay. He was a very early adopter, and so I was really lucky as a kid because he was always like, "You need to get on this internet thing," and I was like, "What is that?" You know, so he's like, look, you can chat and you can make friends and, you know, why don't you get pen pals around the world? And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. All right. So he was like, that's how I got on the Internet. I met people in England. I'm just like, you know, hello. And we'd like chat. Like, yeah, that's my first one. The the 90s were a wild time when uh, the old folks got the young kids on the Internet. Right. There was a quite a a different time. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So. So I I moved back to Florida and I I warned you, this was Mike. It was a bit of a long story. I moved back to Florida and that was about six years ago. And 2012, early 2012. And part of that was family reasons. I'm the only doctor in the family. But um, also there was this, you know, really looking at the situation and thinking, my goodness, the, the demographics have changed a lot in Florida in a positive way with more diversity and certainly I think more, I would call it open-mindedness, I guess. And certainly as somebody who runs on sort of the left side of the spectrum, it was, um, you know, a much more viable pl- place to go and run and try to step up and, and help serve. And 
the, you know, the local community. So that was part of the reason I moved back. And then I met my husband, who at the time was in the House of Representatives. Right. <laughs> so, you you, you know, might have heard of him. Uh, yeah. Congressman Alan Grayson. Right. And, you, you know, it was it's ironic because people think, oh, she's only doing this because she met him or whatever. And it's actually the opposite. Because when I met him, I was like, oh, great. I don't have to run. He does that. Right. And, <laughs> He's and, doing great. And, right. You know, and well, seriously, we had a joke in the family. Like, there's two sure things in life, right, Mike? What are those? That's the uh, death and taxes, right? Bingo. When we yeah. have them, man, we're set. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So that's, uh, you know, so it was, he, he ran for the Senate in 2016. I ran for his seat. And it took a tremendous amount of dark sewer money to beat me. I yeah. had a big beat and there was there were millions of dollars spent against me, whether that via, via political nonprofits to turn out um, uh, Hispanic voters here in, in Central Florida. So, so you ran in 16, right? I ran in nine. I ran in nine. Yeah. And, you know, and like, and, you know, a good chunk of this was not nefarious or anything bad. It was like a lot of political nonprofits spending money to turn out uh, Latinos to vote, Um, you know, big presidential election that would obviously help Hillary. And, you know, one, the, the the guy who won with like 36% of the vote was, is, is half Puerto Rican. So that, that really helped obviously his campaign. But then there was a you know super PAC money that came in, like a guy who made his money in fracking and charter schools spending <laughs> right. A wow. super PAC to hammer me. Yeah. Just pretty dirty. But that's unfortunately politics. Yeah, I mean it's hard, right? I mean this is one reason scientists tend not to run is they they understand that this is a world that you, isn't logical, right? It's not a logical place to go out into because it's going to be dominated by emotions or the guy who has twenty million dollars lying around just to to screw with you, <laughs> and that's right. That's right. I mean, you know, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, this is and, it, and the thing is, is that it's it's hurting our country, and not just you know, I, for me personally, and it was not, it was never about me personally. So I right. I was I knew no matter what, I'm fine. Like I have a really cool, awesome career in what I do. I yeah. love what I do. And in many ways, there's a lot more flexibility not being in public office, right? Because you're not in the public office. Just, you know, it's, (laughs) it's, you know, I, and I know being married to someone, you know, who, who was in Congress and hopefully will be back in very soon. That's right. Alan Grayson is running it once again. Uh, The primary is in August. Yeah, August 28th. Right, in Florida. Correct. And his opponent is somebody who literally was the guy who beat me. Uh, the only Democrat who got a, got a contribution b- contribution from the DeVos family. Oh my goodness! And he got a maximum twenty seven hundred dollar contribution. Yeah, that's I the mean, only campaign ad to run right there. Just DeVos family gave money, right? That's it. You just yeah. Well, and he's received, and Betsy herself has given to him in the past. Oh my goodness! I mean, yeah, just bad, bad. You know, certainly not to me. If we're going to have a true blue, this is a safe Democratic seat. We should right. have a good Democrat. I mean, not somebody who voted twice against impeachment, not somebody who voted against the Dreamers with the Republicans. That's just like, that makes no sense. So. Right. It, it makes sense why DeVos would give them money, right? That's that's all it makes sense. It doesn't make sense as to why, if you're for progress and reason, you'd vote for this person. That's unfortunate, right? Well, it is. I mean, you know, but it's it's also, you know, that that there was a that my race was a weird race because there were uh, there was another strong uh, female candidate in the race. Right. So. When they when basically you know, most of the attacks went on me, and the, you know basically it just pushed my votes off to her. 
Right. Which all they had to do is push enough votes off of me to her to get the other guy in and kind of boost him over the finish line. So, so can I ask you your favorite fantasy voting scheme? Do you like uh, first past the post, which is what we have right now, where you just vote for one person, or do you do you like ranked choice, or do you have any other uh, favorites? Yeah, see, I no, I, I no, because I think we have a, just we have bigger issues to handle. No, to me, Mike, and what okay. I want, I want paper ballots. Yeah. I want paper ballots. I want. You know, I want us to have a system in place where we are going in and doing the appropriate checks on ballot counting. I prefer hand counting, but if we do machine counting, we have to have a ton of checks because it's, you know, you can rig the machines. As we know, they can be hacked. Right. And look, Russia crawled around all through our voter system, especially in They're, Florida. Right. They actually crawled around during the they uh, crawled 16. Around, they have, they cr- well, yes. And elsewhere, Ohio, oh, okay. yeah. uh, Wisconsin, Michigan. I mean, but they crawled around in, in every state. Yeah. Now, no. And there's no evidence that the vote tallies were affected and, you know, at least thus far. So, you know, that's something that my understanding is Obama asked the intelligence community to look at that and they found no evidence of it. Right. But with paper Uh, trails, we'd have a much better feeling that that was true. Yeah, with much more confidence in the vote. So to me, that to me is just such a much larger issue. And then, you look, I also want us I want us to have a national holiday to vote. I want to make it easier for people to vote. Yeah. When you go get your driver's license, you should automatically be registered to vote. Um, that that is just that absolutely is right. And and when you update your driver's license address, then great, you you've updated your voter registration. Can I, can I tell you my fantasy here? Like this is you know I'm I'm sure. really into politics, so we have really weird fantasies here. But I think Congress would be allowed if we ever do get control of the House, Senate, and presidency again to say, hey. Uh, all states, everybody is automatically registered to vote, and there's national mail-in ballots. Now, that wouldn't necessarily apply to state elections, but smart states would piggyback on top of that. And you would obviously have to think really hard about how Republicans will try and undermine it because they don't want people to vote. But it would be within the Constitution for the federal government to set up automatic voter registration and automatic mail-in ballots for federal elections. And that would be yeah, huge. I agree. And I mean, look what Oregon's done with mail-in ballots. That's Absolutely. an excellent point. And one of the, you know, one of the secrets to my to my husband's success, he was the first Democrat to win in Central Florida in over, I think it was a 42 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, for Congress. That's a big deal. And one of the, the secrets to his success, and you know, luckily this is something that other, you know, other folks, I think the red team was doing this a lot better than us, yeah. better, better organized. Um, you have a lot more money behind they, it, yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, that's the absentee ballot. Mm-hmm. And and here in Florida, it's, you don't need a reason. No one should need a reason. Yeah. So I think, I think the, you know, Oregon has automatic absentee ballots, and obviously you can vote. Yep. Um, you can go vote. But I think doing that, it the, the voter turnout is much higher. And, and I do think- do you know why it's good too? It saves money. Like, it's just so amazing. It saves so much money to do mailing. You don't get the results necessarily that night, as we see in California, but that's okay, right? It's okay to take a little time, save a little money, and make sure as many people vote. That's right. Better to get it right, (laughs) right? I mean, I I totally agree. And mailing has the advantage of having a paper trail, right? That's the best part. It has a paper trail. Yep. And it, you know, it's less time. So, yep. and people like, just like the process of going to vote. And I, I think that's fine too. But I think, yep. again, we need paper ballots and, yeah. you know, no more of this, this machine stuff. It is, um, that is a threat to our democracy. And if, and, and to have like some of these senators coming back from Russia where they spent, they, they celebrated Independence Day in Moscow, having some of these people come back. I mean, some of them, you know, some of these yeah. Republican senators, different story. I think they were, they're truly, they don't think Russia's our friend, but you know, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin comes back, who had a very hotly contested race 
in 2016 in Wisconsin against Russ Feingold, who's yep. a pretty who awesome a, guy. Yeah, I wish he had won. Oh. Well, we all do. He's yeah. great. And, but, you know, gee, no shocker. You know, Johnson comes back, and he's like, oh, I don't really see what the big deal was. Yeah, they spent a little <laughs> bit on Facebook. I'm like, dude, like, no. Yeah. Oh, like, and we should, and he said we should drop the sanctions. It is very bizarre to me. That does not, like, you talk about illogical. Right. That is an attack on our democracy. But you know, good old Ron John benefited very likely. I mean, Wisconsin was one of the states that key swing states targeted by this nonsense. Right. Absolutely. The Facebook ads were targeted, and he probably right. beat Feingold with that. Right. That certainly, let's just say, it certainly didn't hurt him. That's right. There you go. That's a fair way to put it. Right. It's not necessarily <laughs> that we can't guarantee it. But it didn't hurt him, that's for sure. So let me ask you this, right? Why are we on the left so horrible at pointing out a real national security risk? Like, I feel like I'm screaming into the void here. Uh, like that, this idea that Russia is attacking us and my conservative family and friends just don't care. And they would if it was the other way around, right? They absolutely sort of, they, they would care about this issue. Unless it's their side, it's a that's a complicated question and answer, right? I, it's a good question. I there are Democrats that are out there and speaking loudly. Yeah, but I, they you don't know, get and, on and the I, news like that's well, they're they not are. on the Sunday they're, shows. <laughs> well, they are actually, you know, but but some of this, right? They, they are. I mean, you see people like okay, General Jim Clapper. Yep. Okay, this guy, um, he is a patriotic American. Absolutely. Sir, you know, je former director of national intelligence. I've had my differences with him. Okay, I had major problems when he testified about what was going on under the Patriot Act with surveillance of domestic, you know, with Americans. Okay, right. I'm going to be straight up about this. And I don't. I, I understand why he said what he did, but it was wrong. Okay, <laughs> he's sure. not like, oh, we're not collecting your phone numbers. Like, come on, everyone knows you are. <laughs> However, let me say this. I don't think he was like trying to spy on Americans at all. I mean, I don't, he wasn't up to something nefarious. Right. This is somebody though who came out in December of 2017 and he said on national television, he literally said that Donald Trump is an asset of Russia. Right. Okay. Handled by Vladimir Putin. And, and, and that is, that is, and you have General, General Clapper saying this, you have former CIA, CIA director, John Brennan, who testified before Congress. And he said that basically that people, when they walk down the treasonous path, often don't realize it until it's too late. Such They're a great not, quote. It's a really astonishing not, quote. Yeah. These guys don't say this stuff lightly. No. They are screaming. They're saying treason. They're saying this guy's the president of the United States is an asset of Russia. And you, I mean, you have Barry McChrystal saying this. That guy is as right wing as they come. The but, problem but I is guess my point Fox is, news. yeah, the Fox, Fox news, news, right? That it's, you know, you, you're getting what has happened is this horseshoe effect where on the very far right and the very far left, you get disinformation, right? And, and I'm politically pretty far left. Okay, but I'm also to your point. Like I'm a Ted, I'm a Ted Lieu progressive. <laughs> yeah, that guy's awesome. Right, I love him, and 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 this is a guy who served in the military. I'm an Alan Grayson progressive liberal. Sure. I mean, we're very similar, and Alan's he's like all about. We have to impeach this guy. He's a threat. Yeah. he's a threat to national security. And and my husband's no hawk on Russia. I'm more of a hawk on Russia than. Than he is. I was a Russian minor in college. I have some differences with him, but like we're both just like 
this doesn't matter. Like Russia yeah. is no friend of ours. This is a problem. So I think what you're seeing and what a lot of us are seeing is that people are living in these bubbles. We have these social media bubbles and Facebook was not, they were not unwitting bystanders in this. They were not unwitting participants in this. They knew about it. They were warned about it. And Facebook chose to do nothing. We just learned today that they were giving the one of the largest technology companies in Russia access to data, mail.ru, okay? After they said, oh, oh no, we closed those doors. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, Mike, I'm you are going to see drip, 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 oh, yeah. drip with Facebook. And why? Because it's really bad and yeah. it's really big and they have to just delay, delay, deflect, delay. Right. Yeah, they're hoping that just given enough time, it won't seem like a big deal. And that's unfortunately what's true of the Russia thing. If everything had come out on day one, it might have been a big enough shock to the system. But if it just sort of builds and builds and builds, people tune it out and and – this is this is a real problem. We don't have a a the right wing. If it was the other way around, would daily have people like Clapper on every day. They would just say, "Hey, the president is appears to be compromised by Russia," and we don't do that for some reason. And I I don't understand it. You know, we see- I think it's getting better though. I really, I mean, again, I you know, you watch. Look, it, it's hard because like. I try to watch CNN and MSNBC, and then I'm obviously on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I try to. I have a YouTube channel as well, Dr. Dina Grayson. Same with YouTube, Dr. Dina Grayson. I've got a website, dinagrayson.com, where I really try to break stuff down for people. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. And you know, it's really you know, dinagrayson.com, one-stop shopping. All so, right, perfect. We'll uh, <laughs> You know, but you know, th- here's the thing. You, you, there are several reasons, Mike, that you couldn't just dump all this. Number one, this was this is an ongoing counterintelligence investigation. I agree. And you you got to understand when you've got FBI counterintelligence and spooks. Okay, true. You, well, spooks within the FBI, CIA, uh, NSA, etc. Okay, they they don't want to be involved with a case like this. That's why when people are like, oh, it's political, they're anti-Trump. It's if you know Such these bullshit. people, right? I know some of these people personally. They don't. It doesn't, they, they really, they didn't want to go anywhere near this. And nope. we had a presidential race where we had both candidates under federal investigations. Think about that for a while. But only one of them, Comey admitted to. And I understand why, right? I understand, when I say if we'd known all this at once, I'm not actually advocating for uh, the intelligence agencies to have dumped everything. I'm just saying if somehow we had the time machine and we could just drop all the information that we know now on the first day of the Trump presidency, it would have been a huge shock to the system. But the drip, 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 drip. I don't is, think uh, people were ready for it. I mean, I was, but I've been researching this for 18 months. Right. I mean, I just, that's where I put my MD, PhD skills to use and try to research the details, but then sort of help people connect the dots at a higher level. And there is so much more coming and it's mm. bad. It's not just Trump. Look, I said, yeah. I said over a year ago, back in May, I think it was May, 2017, I told people you're going to see a lot of Republicans, you know, retiring, resigning for family reasons. <laughs> and you were and it's, right. <laughs> but it's not, it's, it's not. Okay. I mean, look, there was a, the Washington post published a transcript of a tape with Paul Ryan, right? Kevin McCarthy, the leaders yeah. of the Republican party, joking about Putin having Trump and Laura Bucker on his payroll and they were joking but they were joking about something that they knew to be true and it's it's you know from what you look it's it's not a good situation and i don't think that this is not i don't this isn't so simple as just getting trump and i that's you know they're treating this as a complex international organized crime case yeah i mean that's how they're treating it because it is yeah one thing that's really interesting right 
everybody that uh, has been recruited by Moeller, they came from really high profile jobs. Zero and of them have quit, right? They could be they making a lot more money. A lot of money. Yeah. And these people were, they're no fools. They want it right. They're, right. And they're prosecutors. That's they're right. not investigators. Right. They're There's prosecutors. a lot more coming. I agree with you a hundred percent. But what I'm trying to get at is that what I don't understand is why we can't keep it fresh. And I, and part of it is I think the audience just is on to the next scandal. Trump is really good at creating a new scandal pretty much every day for uh, us to chase after. It. And they matter. Na- Unfortunately, they do matter. But, but, but Mike, you nailed it. And, but it's purposeful. It's called gaslighting. And yep. that's what he's doing. And he, he gaslights us. Well, he <laughs> gaslights with lies, right? He'll yeah. say something. And then two weeks later, say, I never said that. And he'll just lie about it. And, and, but he also like, he sits there and creates these, these, this captain chaos. I mean, Jeb right. Bush was right. He will be the chaos president. And he is. Yeah, yeah he absolutely is. Uh, have you heard I, of the term Gish Gallop? Gish Gallop. It's amazing. No, that's hilarious. Uh, so he, so the Gish Gallop was uh, named after a, uh, I believe it was a young earth creationist person who just made this absurd argument. And the idea is to just throw like a hundred things at the wall and you can't refute any of them, right? There's the Brandolini's law of bullshit, which is just saying that it takes 10 times the effort to refute bullshit as to create it. And so if you just lie all the time, nobody can keep up with you. So the gaslight gish gallop, right? That's hilarious. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I I tweeted something about a week ago and I, or a couple weeks ago, and I just said, dear media, Please, you know, try assuming that Trump is an agent of Russia, then his behavior and, you know, basically what he says and what he does makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, you even look at like the soybean tariffs, like Russia is going to make out okay on that. And I'm not saying he did on purpose to help Russia, but it is weird that Russia benefits from pretty much every single policy that Trump promotes. He's never badmouthed Putin. He he trashes our friends, our closest friends and allies. Yeah, that's all you really need to know, right? Right there. Right, and I mean, and look, we also have, don't forget, we, you know, our friends are under attack. England, the Brexit vote, that was, that was very similar to, it was a warm up and a practice run for Trump, Russia. And Russia's actually like poisoning people on English soil, right? They're They're actually murdering people on English soil. They are murdering people with very advanced, you know, Novachok, is a, is a very advanced chemical 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 weapon. I right. mean, this is the most abhorrent of murders. Litvinenko was horrible. They murdered him with radioactive polonium. Right. No, I look. It, it's it's um. And this is the thing where one of the frustrations I have, and I, I mean, especially in the House, but if you look at Congress and the Republicans in Congress, mm-hmm. how some of them are out have are, you know like Devin Nunez look to be outright complicit. Absolutely. And they were involved with the campaign. They were involved with the secret meetings with, you know, Russians at the Mayflower Hotel running up to, you know, through the campaign. I think some of these folks are power hungry and don't care. Um, I think there are people, though, who did know. And um, look, the NRA wasn't just helping Trump. OK, yeah, the NRA was helping a lot of Republicans and they spent a lot. They spent more than $70 million is the latest estimate from a whistleblower inside of NRA. I mean, who knows? Right. But that's all, most of that's dark money. Yeah. So this, which is legal, right? So we, you know, basically Citizens United opened the floodgates for sewer money, as I call it, into politics, whether that's super PACs, which they have to disclose all their donors and they have to disclose who, what they're doing with the money and right. who they're spending it against or for. Right. So it's bad in the sense that anybody can give as long as they're a U.S. citizen or a resident or a company, U.S. US-based company, and and Mac, there's no you know no maximum contribution. So it's any amount you want. Okay, yep. uh, unlimited. But the the dark money, these political nonprofits, they don't have to disclose publicly their donors. They don't have to disclose how they're spending the money, who it's for, who it's against. It's literally you can't see it. 
Right. And just, yeah. that is that is legalized corruption. That Absolutely. is and that is what the, that is what these NRA dark money that Bob Mueller is investigating, which it looks like the alleged crimes here are Russian money coming in through that illegally and then funneling that to to support Trump and other Republicans. That right. is. Yeah. I, that, I mean, these, these are people selling our country for cash. Absolutely. And at Porp, uh, you know, full disclosure, we are the uh, the sewer money type group. But we're not the dark money group. We have to disclose our, our donors. And I promise we only really spend our money to promote scientific people, you know, like you and your husband. But uh, at the same time, right, <laughs> awesome. your, your concern about the NRA is very true. And, you know, we, we would be happy if the type of uh, vehicle that Porp is was abolished, right? Like the 527s. You know, we think that'd be great. Yeah. We're, no, we're I mean, all look, about getting the money I think uh, I, Here's what I think. Yeah. I think we, num- number one, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I think we Americans should demand transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the good news is, is that Bob Mueller has all the records from the NRA because the IRS has them. Right. So even though these dark money groups don't have to report through like the FEC and publicly, they do have to tell the IRS. Yeah. Now, assuming they weren't committing tax fraud, and again, these are you know crooks we're talking about right. in some cases. That's a big assumption. Like, like Paul Manafort, you know, like. <laughs> oh my God, that guy. Yeah. Well, Every yeah. crime in the book, just for fun. Yeah. Well, they probably Walnuts has more. I mean, he's had three indictments against them, and they haven't even unveiled the national security. Right, crime. right. They've they've so. kept it off that uh, path for the moment, which is really fascinating, honestly, because the trial starts uh, this month, July twenty. I think July July twenty fourth. That's I'm right. Not mistaken. That's right. So, yeah, Mike. I think that's a that's a legal tactic by Mueller. He's you know he's going to hold that as long as possible. But I, I'm getting the sense that that might be unloaded soon. From you know, Roger Stone is telling people that he's going to be indicted. Yeah. Uh, do you know uh, Do you know this uh, show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. But no. anyways, there, there's a scene in it. It's it's not, it's not. It's a funny show, but there's a scene in it where one of the main characters just has this board up there with string everywhere. And that's how I feel about this. But I can I can show you, you know, specific examples of all these things connected together. And I can say, look, this, this looks really bad. And I have heard no innocent explanation for it. They just lie about it until they're caught. And then they lie some more. <laughs> And, and that's the problem here is that this isn't innocent and we can all tell that. And because everybody on Mueller's team is still there, they know something too. And so we're just kind of forced to wait, which is fine. Again, I would like them to get it right. And if, and if Trump did nothing wrong, that's okay too, right? I, but it just is such a weird thing that there's so many lies. Yep, I will. That's right. And, you know, and the problem is, is that we've got, again, I think that there's now this sort of Uh, Fox News bubble, unfortunately, where people live in it. And, you know, when you'll see bad news about like, well, when Misha, I call him Misha Flynn, Michael Flynn, (laughs) Trump's former national security advisor. Well, I was, as I said, I was a Russian miner. Yeah, right. So, you know, and and he's, he's, he pleaded guilty. Okay. He pleads guilty for lying to the feds about contacts with Russia. Yep. And, and you basically see no mention on Fox News. Sean Hannity's like at the very end of the show, yeah, Michael Flynn, whatever. And now, of course, they're spinning that he's innocent and he's he's of not course. and he's cooperating. And they, they you know, the judge is like, why aren't why aren't you sentencing him? It's been seven months. Like he's still cooperating. Yeah. Which which he's told them everything he knows. I suspect that new evidence comes up. They have him come in corroborated. <laughs> and yeah. They want him to testify. Right. Okay. And they're, they they're really trying to, to wait till they have everything in order. Is my guess right? I don't have proof of that, but. Well, it, well it, yes, but here's the thing. Okay, so from the intelligence perspective, there's a different burden of proof from an in, from a counterintelligence person's perspective than from a legal perspective, number one. But number two, and I think even more burdensome, is that there's a real need to protect sources and methods. That's right. Right? So 
you know, if you've got a if you've got a recording inside of the Kremlin, you don't necessarily want to use that because then people die and you lose really valuable sources right. inside of the Kremlin. So I think there's that that's my that's my understanding. And you know, people if there's ongoing crimes that are being committed, like oh, secret meetings with Qataris to get really sweetheart real estate deals, you know, it, yep. it, it becomes just easier and easier. <laughs> These aren't the smartest crooks out there. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really impressive grifting going on. Um, so can we, I, I could go on and on about this all day because this is so fascinating to me, but can we change tactics to what is it that would help scientists like you? And I ran for Congress and I'm, you know, a physicist and I, I did very badly. Yeah, I did. It didn't go well. And so what is it that a group like PORP could do, or is there really nothing we could do to help somebody like you win, uh, you know, a seat in Congress? You know, we, we can. And okay. I, I, that's why I was really delighted that you reached out because, I, you know, I, there's a real need. And I think not just by scientists, but overall, people want people who are into evidence based politics. Right. Like they will use evidence to make their case and they'll be open to being wrong. Right. Like to me, that's an ideal legislator. Yeah, I mean, you look, and also, it's also not just about open to being wrong, but open to new ideas. And, mm -hmm. you know, the whole point of representing is you're representing your district, not your just personal beliefs. Yeah. I mean, it's also understanding what what the citizens that you represent need. Yeah. So, look, I think there's multiple levels. First of all, we, you know, although among scientists, it's a really cool pitch to say that we're evidence-based politicians, but those are, that, that, that's, you know, look, that's complicated. And what does that mean for most people who aren't scientists? It's just really nerdy. And so I think at the at a kind of a 50,000 foot view, let me say this at the 100,000 foot view. Number one is we got to find races we actually have a chance of winning yep. and invest in those races, right? So some political savvy is needed to play here. Number two is, is then we have to convince folks, look, the way we're going to do this is we need to support this person financially. Maybe we all learn how to do field work and get on phone calls and spend and, you know, an hour, a, you know, a couple hours a week making phone calls to support that candidate. Yeah, okay? I've been hearing right? that. Uh, we had a, that's huge. Yeah. Doing field is huge. And that's, okay. I mean, because that's expensive to hire out. But if you get volunteers to do it, they're actually better because these are you know, smart, articulate people. I can talk to somebody and say, hey, this, these are the issues. And you train them. And yeah, and they're motivated. But then number three is also people got to open up their wallets. I mean, we're yeah. willing to go out to eat and spend 50 bucks on dinner. Spend 50 bucks <laughs> on your favorite candidate. Yeah. And 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 do it like do 20 bucks a month and support your favorite candidate. It matters. I mean, that's my husband. That's, you know, big, big chunk of his support. Over 50 percent of his support comes from what we call small donors. These are people that give less than 200 bucks over the course of the two year election cycle. Right. And these, you know, these are awesome donors. These are people that care. They're like, hey, I can't give you I can't write you a five thousand yeah, dollar. I can't do it. I can I can put 20 bucks on my credit card every month. And that is huge because then we yeah. get, if, 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 you know, let's say 20% of the active scientists in this country did that, we would have the, you know, we'd have scientific ch uh, candidates who had a war chest and you have to. And I, and the reason why is, is elections. And this comes to my third point about scientists running. It's not, people don't care about you. They really don't. And this is the big misnomer. We're going to run scientists because the voters are some, somehow going to care about that. They, no, I, I some will, but the vast majority of what they really want is they care about kitchen table issues. Like, what are you going to do to make my life better? Yeah. And voters should be like that. And and most people are, they're not spending all this time reading, um, you know, about politics and thinking about the issues from a policy perspective because they're busy. They're trying to get food on the table. They're trying to get their kids to school. Yeah. They're trying to pay, to pay their bills for their health, health care, et cetera. So what you, in my mind, this is where we leverage our ability as scientists to say, look, we're going to, you know, we have 
you know, if you have certain policy positions, we're going to, maybe we're going to donate our time. Like, Hey, I have a healthcare person who can help you formulate, you know, your healthcare policy. And then, you know, then you have to come up with good, smart ways to pitch it to your voters that, that, that it matters to them. Like I am in favor of Medicare for all people can have private insurance with private doctors if they want to right. want to, but at a minimum, everyone gets covered. Um, and it's, it's more efficient. It's better healthcare. And I just don't waver from that. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, and another point is I've been paying for Medicare since I was 15. That's more than half my life now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would like to use that. That'd be great. Well, you know, that's it's right. something that comes it, out of every paycheck. But that's right. And that's why I don't I don't like calling it an entitlement. I call it an earned benefit. That's and, right. and, you know, you pay into the system. And the reality is, is that everybody should have this. It's like, yep. look, guys, you know, this is one of those things where it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. That's right. That's just the reality. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so whoa, whoa, whoa. Wanted... this is new, new news to me. Right. News a... Yeah. News flash. So, I mean, I think and more and more and what you're seeing, certainly public polling shows this is that, you know, you've got polls saying that 60 60 plus percent of people now are in favor of Medicare for all. Yeah, that that's 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 a huge swing. Well, and, and companies would love this, right? Like if they didn't have to deal with with health care, they would be able to cut a lot of positions, which I mean, I know it sounds kind of bad, but they'd be able to save a lot of money and just focus on what they actually do. You know, GM, the car company, is not in the medical business, but they spend a lot of time and effort in that realm. Yeah, and I mean, look, I I, I think the quality of healthcare. I want to, you know, I want something better than Medicare. I mean, Medicare has no out-of-pocket uh, maximum right. on part, part B, which is being the in-hospital portion of it, so you can still go bankrupt. I mean, there's there's things that could yeah. be better. Medicare be doesn't better. cover doesn't cover eyes, ears, and teeth. I mean, dental health is hugely important. Oh, it's something so we ignore important. in this country. Yep. So, I mean, I think there's ways to make it even better. And it's and people, you know, better. Right. A lot of Republicans hear this like, oh, more expensive. I'm like, no, more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have healthier people. That means we have healthier workers. That means they're not on disability. Right. And they're actually contributing to the economy. And can like, we make well, a point here? We never should care again about the price tag. If they can pass tax cuts endlessly, no, we don't. We don't listen to them on on complaining about the price tag. You know, what I mean, like they just racked up the deficit, and you know, probably the most yeah. prosperous time in my you know recent lifetime. You know, I, I don't think we have to worry about that anymore. I think we can just say no. We're going to do this. You can fix it when you get in power again. If you would like to take care of the ballooning deficit, you you go ahead. <laughs> You know, I don't I don't mean to just like spend recklessly, but there are certain things that would make the country better. And I think we should just do it and we should brag about it all the time. That's one thing Trump does really well. We should brag about how much more money you're getting or how much less you're paying for health insurance when you have Medicare for all. Yeah. No, I mean, I I absolutely I absolutely agree. I I think that um, there's luckily the tide is turning on public opinion. I think I think we're. The Affordable Care Act was huge, obviously. It was. It was a that, very that good was, step. It was right. It was to me the first acknowledgement by yep. the government that everyone deserves affordable health care. Yeah, in my family, we have a pre-existing condition, which meant I was never going to be able to get a job uh, where I like started my own business. And you know, I haven't done that, but I, it's something I'm interested in one day. And now it's possible thanks to uh, the ACA. Well, and also, I mean, I I was afraid. I was you know had my own business, and you know. Uh, and I, this is pre-ACA, and I was scared to death that I would be kicked off my insurance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a because, very scary you know, thing. God, Right? I mean, because God forbid I got sick, and then they're like, drop my policy. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... it's It it's happened. A, it's a, it was a real thing that actually happened. Yes. Yes, it's frightening. So, you know, I, 
so I think I think so to me back to your question Mike yeah. about what we can do as scientists again is I think we need to find dynamic candidates you have to be able to be a great communicator and yeah. and, and and interact with the voters districts we can actually win in mm-hmm. get those candidates supported not just with money but also with teams around them of some political folks that understand how to run an election but also could help on the policy and not sell yourself as, hey, I'm a scientist, vote for me. It's, it works for fundraising for certain folks. Yeah. But really, again, for voters, what they care about is, it's number one, what the voters see and hear. So voters usually aren't on Twitter. You have to get in their faces, TV, oh, other apps, right? Yeah, right. And then secondly, it's about issues that the voters care about. And all too often, politicians don't listen, right? So but mm. voters care about what matters to voters, not to you. So I, we have to have more compelling pitches. And so I don't think we need to scream you know, I'm a, 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 a scientist. I mean, right. I will say the fact that I, you know, I was a physician and I treated uninsured patients for free for a number of years, certainly. Um, it can be part of your that, pitch, obviously. But. Correct. And that was also why part of my rationale that, look, I was really pro healthcare, Medicare for all. Um, you know, I also want for seniors of improving Medicare, eyes, ears and teeth, Giving, you know, right. raising social social security, et cetera. But I, but you know, it was sort of like here's here's why you can believe me on it because I've done something here. Right. And that's that's more of where I think it's like that's where it's helpful. Of like people tend to like scientists. Like, oh, okay, well, like, okay, that yeah. they're probably a solid person. Like, we, they're not. We've been kind of coasting on that Albert Einstein vibe for a long time. Totally, and yeah. we should. Yeah, and exactly. so that's the part where it's helpful. But otherwise, just saying, "Hey, I'm a scientist. Vote for me." Like, who cares? Yeah, like the, I mean, you know, the voters don't. No, you're right. Evidence based <laughs> politics. They're like that. That's just like that. Sounds like something. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like that's something gimmick. for me matters. I like it because. Right. Uh, but but I'm a I'm like I'm a nerdy scientist. So yeah. Just, but like you say, that's not really what drives most of the population, and so that's the issue. All right. Well, I think I think you found the flaw in my candidacy when I ran for the Senate. Yeah, I thought that might be enough, but I think I think you figured it out. So, yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to crack. And you even had, you know, uh, the backing of some political experts. And, uh, you know, you were inspired by Kennedy to run, which I I was not. I, I wish I had been. But. It's and, and your nature papers. You, maybe you should highlight that next time. More nature papers than the, than the next contender. Um, but OK, so, Dina, I really appreciate your time here. And I hope you might even join us again. Or if you have some other ideas, we, we'd love to share them from your website onto the uh, pork pages. You, you know, got we're, it. We're always, always interested in new insight. And awesome. So best of luck to, uh, I assume you're out campaigning uh, right now for your husband? Uh, well, uh, we are certainly doing a lot of events. Yes, yeah. so I'm helping my <laughs> husband. It's, it's fun. I, he's, he's great. So I'm, I'm obviously want to see him back in Congress. He's yeah. super, super smart guy, very supportive of science. It's one of the things we share. And uh, he's, um, uh, he, he ended up uh, really getting a lot of funding into science while he was in Congress. So yeah, he, he's definitely he actually, one of the good guys here. He's uh, one of the good guys. I mean, he really fights for basic scientists. And, you know, it's funny. Before we met, it was like he did it. So now I say now he better. <laughs> <Right. he does. laughs> Keep it up. All right. Yeah. Well, well, thanks again, Mike. It was yeah, great. I thanks really appreciate it. Bye, Dina. Bye. Show the world you care about progress. Go ahead. Give us a like or a share. And if you want to learn more or support your purpose, visit partyofreasonandprogress.org.